all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. joining me today here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of movement. A lot of folks call it exercise or physical activity, but I want us to just talk about moving more today. What are some of the barriers to doing that and some strategies to, to overcoming those barriers? If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email us fit at mpbonline.org. And we already have a caller on the line, so we will go to Biloxi and say good morning to Craig. Hey, good morning. Uh, I was wondering about... Uh the specifics of a warm-up, if it's, if it's about temperature or form or, or uh, getting the muscle ready, uh, I, I, I know that when I do uh, weight, tra- weight exercises, I don't start off with something heavy. I try to get my form in first. Absolutely. Know. It's a great question, and a warm-up is a really, really important part of being active. So we kind of think about it in terms of warming the muscle up for whatever load we're going to put on it, whether that be a weight load or whether that be the stress of whatever activity we're going to be doing from a, a walking, running, dancing type of thing. When we look at injury, right, so strains and sprains, you know, tears, that kind of thing, muscles that are cold and are then kind of pushed hard, either from uh, an aerobic standpoint or from a a weight standpoint, are more likely to to be injured. So we want to get those muscles nice and warm. The way um, an exercise physiologist explained it to me one time was think about a rubber band. If you get like a package of rubber bands and you get that that first one out and you try and and stretch it and use it, it's it's hard to do. Um, And sometimes if you pull real hard on it, you'll break it. Um, But if you go a little bit slower and kind of gradually stretch it out over time, that rubber band gets more pliant and and easier to use. And so you actually get more out of your workout because you're able to get kind of the full range of motion of that joint and that kind of thing. Um, So a warm-up is important. About five minutes is really all you, you know, need to start your warm-up. And a lot of people I see start with um, what we call static stretching, which is when you see a picture of somebody stretching, typically what a static stretch is, um, where you kind of take a, a, a body part and 
pull it till you feel the stretch and hold it. And that's actually what we don't want to do in terms of warm-up stretching. Because, again, you're taking that that kind of cold, non-compliant muscle and, and pushing it to its breaking point. So some of my favorite warm-ups are things like um, kind of rolling your shoulders or doing arm circles. Those are a good way to kind of get the arm muscles um, up and moving. Um, Walking lunges are what's called a dynamic stretch. Um, So you're kind of moving as you warm those muscles up or just a a light uh, intensity kind of walk. Um, or, you know, low setting on your treadmill or your bike if you're doing one of those kinds of things before you um, enter into your full exercise program. Okay, so so you're going to want to stay in a warm environment or, or put your sweatpants on or something if you're using that specific muscle then. Or just warming that muscle up. So it's especially important when we're exercising outside in the cold, right? A lot of folks um, avoid going outside to exercise when it's cold, and you still want to warm those muscles up. Um, so layering your clothes matters, but don't start with cotton all, as your first layer. A lot of people throw on a cotton T-shirt or something like that, and cotton holds on to the sweat and will actually make you colder. Um, and then doing some of those warm-up exercises um, inside before you go outside is a, is a good way to get those muscles warm as well. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the call. That was a great way for us to kind of dive into to talking about movement today. And I chose the word movement um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, it is the main message that places like the American Heart Association, um, the American College of Sports Medicine are trying to, to get us to embrace a little bit more. But if we think about it, the word exercise often has a very negative um, kind of feeling associated with it when you say, I need to go exercise. Now, there are the group of folks who absolutely love to exercise. I'm kind of in that middle, that middle range of where it's not my favorite thing to do, but I do enjoy it when I'm doing it. Um, but thinking about it in, t- in terms of just moving and moving more, it's a little less intimidating because it's less formal. We're not having to think about going to the gym or building in this kind of set of you know weight training exercises that we have to do. We're really just focusing on moving more. And that really is a campaign that is out by the American Heart Association called Move More. And that's what I want to challenge you to think about as you go throughout your day is what are the opportunities I have to just move more, not even, you know, try to get to a certain heart rate or a certain uh, number of minutes or a certain distance. How can I just move more? Um, Even folks who enjoy exercise, we sit for a large portion of our day, um, whether we're answering emails or on phone calls or in meetings, we're, we're spending a lot of time being sedentary. And so looking for those little, little, sweet pockets in our day where we can move more. And and why do we want to do that? Well, if you caught the show two weeks ago, I talked about the fact that about 90% of the risk of having a heart attack is linked back to nine 
kind of lifestyle factors or nine other lifestyle-related risk factors, and one of those being a lack of regular physical activity. So if we know that that's a strong contributor to heart attacks, and not just heart attacks, but cardiovascular disease in general, then that's kind of a clear marker of the fact that we need to be more active and need to add more movement into our day. But aside from just cardiovascular health, there are multiple other reasons that we want to make movement a part of our day. Um, It it can help with weight loss or weight maintenance. Um, It can improve blood pressure and cholesterol, which those are two other factors that are linked to that risk of heart attack. It can improve um, blood sugar control or help to get better control of that blood sugar. It also has a very powerful impact on mental health, right, in dealing with stress management or um, anxiety and depression. And we'll talk a little bit about seasonal um, depression as well or seasonal affective disorder and how being outside can help with that. Um, it helps maintain bone health and, uh, and bone strength and density. Um, and as we age, the more physically active we are, the more movement we have um, in our day, then the less likely we are to fall, the more independence we can maintain, and the more activities of daily living, just those things that we do as we go throughout our day, like taking a shower or brushing your teeth or brushing your hair or being able to do your own laundry and chores, the more physically active we've been throughout our lifetime helps us maintain and hang on to um, that independence there. So a lot of times I think people get caught up in the the kind of black and white of, of exercise. Either I meet guidelines or I don't meet guidelines for um, exercise. And if I'm not meeting those you know, those national guidelines for how much physical activity I should be doing, then I just shouldn't do any of it because I'm not getting benefits there. And it's just simply not the case, which I think is really driving a lot of this messaging that is coming out that we just need to move for and not so much on the actual distance or the actual number of minutes, although we will talk about um, kind of how much we want to ultimately strive for any movement is better than no movement at all. So if it's one minute of movement, that is better than no minutes of movement. So we really want to look at how we carve out those little moments of time in our day without kind of getting uh, kind of frustrated by not having kind of this 30-minute block of time in which we can be uh, be active. We, it doesn't have to be that way. We can absolutely break it down into smaller bits or just look for ways to add more steps, more movement, or just less sitting as we go throughout our day. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And today we're talking about the importance of movement and why we need to be striving to just move more as we go throughout our day. If you have a question or if you have a a secret tip you want to give us about ways that you have found um, to get extra movement into your day, I'd love to hear it. Our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's 877-672-7464. You can also email us bit at mpbonline.org. And you don't have to wait uh, for when we're on the air to do that. You can email us at any time. So before the break, we were going through the importance of, of movement and the importance of being physically active. And while I want us to keep that kind of at the forefront of our brain, that, that any movement is important. A lot of people ask, what is kind of my ultimate goal in terms of physical activity? Um, well, when we talk about that, there are multiple different types of movement um, or multiple different categories of, of physical activity. And so the one that most people are probably uh, familiar with is aerobic activity or um, as a lot of uh, a lot of people call it, and that's things like running, uh, walking, dancing, swimming, biking, and treadmill, elliptical. Those kinds of things are classically what is considered um, cardio uh, activity. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get some cardio in some of these other uh, things that we're going to talk about, but those are, are kind of the the purest form of, of, of aerobic or cardio activity. Then there are um, flexibility, which we talked a little bit about with our first caller when we talked about the warm-up and we talked about stretching, right? Um, and it's a very important part of um, of your overall fitness plan. Just keeps the joints nice and healthy, allows us to um, go through all the range of motion of those joints and, and you know, keep full mobility there. Um, resistance or strength training is Another piece of, of the pie, so to speak, when we're talking about uh, movement and, and exercise, and that has to do with putting some form of stress on the muscle, whether that be from lifting lifting something, um, you know, uh, free weights in the gym or free weights at home, um, the machines in the gym, or just your body weight. Um, things like push-ups or um, wall sits or calf raises, um, those all fall into that resistance or strength piece there. And then 
The one that's talked about the least but is very, very important is balance. And balance exercises um, really should uh, have just as much, uh, get talked about just as much as any of the other pieces because it is an important part of overall health and wellness. And I'm going to kind of break, uh, break down those as well. So when we talk about cardio or aerobic activity, we're striving for about 150 minutes per week, right? Um, so that can be broken down into however you want to get it. But, again, any movement is better than no movement. So if you're not anywhere close to being able to do 150 minutes a week, that is okay, right? We're just going to focus on getting any movement in. But when we look at uh, all of the, the evidence out there in terms of uh, maximum uh, benefit to the cardiovascular system that 150 minutes per week is a, a good place to kind of kind of land or kind of shoot for there um, that also depends on the intensity of the workout and we'll talk about that um, as well in a few minutes when we talk about resistance or strength that's two to three days a week we talk about flexibility again. That can be two to three days a week, or you can add that flexibility piece in um, with all of your uh, cardio or workouts. And then the balance exercises again about three to four, uh, two to three times a week. Um, there. So what do I mean by balance exercises? Um, well, balance exercises are an important part of fall prevention, right? So I talked about earlier um, wanting to maintain mobility and independence as we get older, and balance and fall prevention is a crucial, crucial part of that. Um, so kind of the most classic balance exercise that you can think of is kind of standing on one foot um, and holding it. But if you're not used to balancing, we don't want to start right there. So a lot of times, usually with my patients, I always recommend that you have a, a buddy with you when you're going to do a balance um, activity. That way, you know, if you start to lose your balance, you've got kind of a spotter there to help you. But I usually start at the wall, right, and have folks put both hands on the wall and then kind of put their weight on, on one foot, and hold it for a couple of seconds, you know, five to 10 seconds and see how we're doing and then swap to the other leg and do that. And as you get um, more comfortable with being able to do that and your balance starts to improve, then you can kind of let go of, of one hand and keep one hand on the wall um, while you stand on that, that one foot. And then you can get to where maybe you just have your fingertips on the wall and then maybe you get down to just one finger on the wall. And then as you're ready, you can progress to not needing to have that, that support at all, right? But that's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, other things that you can do is try to walk in a straight line. You know, maybe put a piece of masking tape down on the ground and practice walking on that straight line. That is a balance. Uh, balance exercise as well. Um, some of the more kind of formal exercise programs that you may see that are for balance are things like yoga and Tai Chi, both of which are excellent forms of activity 
for a variety of reasons, right? You're also going to combine uh, flexibility training into these. Strength training can go into these. Um, and, uh, the, and the mental health benefits to both of these, they're great for stress management and, um, and relaxation techniques as well. So there are the ones you can do at home on your own. There are some that are, require a little bit more, um, a little bit more training to be able to do um, for those things there. So that was the four pieces, right? Cardio, muscle strengthening or resistance, flexibility, and balance. Um, and how you get those in um, is, is up to you, and you don't have to get them all in at one time. We want to strive for things that are realistic and achievable, right? And so thinking about your day and how your day goes, and your days may vary, right? Your Mondays may be different than your Tuesdays, and what you're able to do on one day may vary from what you're able to do on another. But being intentional in looking at um, those different different days and different ways to get those uh, additional steps or additional minutes of movement are really, really important, right? So that was the how much, right? So now I want to talk about the intensity, okay? Because I, I said that that kind of matters in terms of how many minutes our goal is. And when we talk about intensity, you'll often see um, kind of light intensity, moderate intensity, or vigorous intensity used to describe workouts. And what the heck does that mean? Well, there are certain activities that are going to be classified as, as those types of, of physical activity. Um, you know, jogging is usually going to be seen as a more intense workout than walking. But I try not to, to kind of paint exercise with this general, um, general notion of what is light, moderate, or vigorous intensity because it is going to uh, depend on your overall fitness level, right? Um, my fitness level is not going to be the same as someone who is an endurance runner, um, nor is it going to be the same as someone who has um, not exercised in a very long time. So it's more important about finding kind of your level of, um, of intensity and where you want to be with things. So there are a variety of ways that you can to judge uh, intensity. There is a um, kind of a scale that is for perceived exertion where you kind of rate activities. So this is best done kind of with someone. So maybe you are at the gym and you're doing um, a stationary bike and you rate kind of how how tired this is making you or how much effort this is taking you to do that. That's one way. It's my not my favorite way. Uh, my favorite way is actually the talk test because it requires no equipment um, and really no skill to be able to, to determine. We'll talk about target heart rates in a minute as well. Um, but the talk test is, for me, the easiest to understand, the easiest to put into practice, and uh, really the most applicable for you know, folks outside of a, um, you know, a, a training relationship with someone. So with the talk test, when we're talking about light intensity movement, 
there's really not a change in your breathing and no change in your ability to have a conversation, right? So you'd be walking along with someone and you can carry on a full conversation with them. That is a light intensity um, type of activity. Now, I used walking as an example here, but you could absolutely extrapolate that out to any of the other um, forms of, of activity that you wanted to. The moderate intensity is where it gets a little bit harder to have a, a conversation, okay? um, but you, you can still talk in there, okay? When you get to high intensity, that is where you kind of have to, to pause in between um, words to, uh, to kind of catch your breath and do those kinds of things there. Um, a, another way that people um, kind of classify it is could you sing, right? So with light intensity, you would be able to sing um, moderate intensity, not really able to sing, but still talk, and then vigorous intensity you are not um, not able to sing and you're having to take some some pauses in between on uh, on your speech as well when we talk about that 150 minutes of um, endurance or cardio or aerobic whatever you want to call it that is that moderate intensity type of, of activity where they want it to be but again, that does not mean you have to start there. If you are new or returning to physical activity after having been out of it for a while, just look for ways to build the habit of movement before you worry about how intense something is, right? Just build the habit of, you know, today I'm going to walk um to the end of my street and back. Don't worry about how intense or how quickly you're doing that, how you know, what the actual distance in terms of mileage is, just focus on getting it done. Because as you build the habit and you do it more and more, the intensity will go up from there, right? Um, in terms of kind of that warm-up and the, the cool-down, um, warm-ups and cool-downs are usually at light intensity as well if you're using walking or biking as part of your, your warm-up and cool-down. Um, Vigorous is absolutely a strategy that a lot of folks employ, but it wouldn't be one that I would recommend we just kind of jump out of the gate at on vigorous intensity because um, that's where we can get some injuries and just learn to not like to be physically active because you don't feel great while you're doing it. So being um, really careful and really intentional about how we choose our intensity levels and how long we do them for is a much more important strategy um, than trying to just win the race, right? So it's, it's not a race. Um, you're just uh, building in more, right? If I can get you to remember one thing, it's just moving more. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Coach Charlie Melton. I want to help steer you in the right direction. If you need coaching on fixing up your automobile, listen to our podcast, Auto Correct, found on all podcasting platforms. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And today we're talking about the importance of moving more. And we've, we've talked about why that's important in terms of overall health, in terms of lowering your uh, risk of heart disease and lowering your risk of having a heart attack or a stroke. Those are very important uh, things for us to, to recognize, and movement is a really important piece of that. If you have a question or a comment for us, um, now's the time to give us a ring. Also, if you've found a way to make physical activity and movement a part of your regular lifestyle, I'd love to hear the story. People are so inspired by um, hearing how other people have been able to reach their goals um, and often go, you know what, that would work for me, or I would never be able to do that, but I could do this. And so our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464 if you would like to share that today. Um, I get a lot of questions about target heart rate and what your heart rate should be at. And it is a strategy for, for gauging intensity of, of activity. It's not my favorite for a couple of One, um, it does require you to check your heart rate. Right. Um, so finding finding your pulse and, and counting that accurately is a skill. You can use, um, you know, a watch that, that counts your heart rate or um, some of the exercise equipment that you're using may have kind of a heart rate monitor on the grip and those kinds of things. And those are certainly uh, tools that you can use. But if your grip is not good or, you know, things like that, it may not be as accurate. That's kind of one reason I don't I don't necessarily uh, love target heart rate as uh, the general way that I tell intensity. Another is a lot of patients or a lot of people that I work with are going to be on medications that affect their heart rate. Things like beta blockers that intentionally slow the heart down, and so it, you may not see as kind of big of a, a bump in in heart rate when we're on those medications. Um, in relationship to the intensity of the exercise. So with all that being said, a lot of times people want to know what that, what that kind of uh, target heart rate is. Um, well, the f- kind of first thing to think about is what is your resting heart rate, right? What is your heart rate when you are not doing anything? And the best time to kind of check that resting heart rate is first thing in the morning, you've woken up, you're still nice and, and relaxed right before you kind of get up and go do things before you have your morning coffee all, or whatever you have in the morning um, is to check that and most adults are going to be between 60 to 100 on that resting heart rate right and usually lower numbers indicate um, kind of a, a, a healthier heart uh, so to speak that's why a lot of times in folks with that are endurance athletes or runners, they'll have a heart rate that's below 60 um, because it is a marker of kind of cardiovascular fitness. Now, if we're trying to see what our target heart rate is, then we want to think about um, our, the number 220 minus your age, right? 
So let's say you're 40 years old, right? 220 minus 40 would kind of get you to that that range that you're looking at there, right? That's kind of 180 is your kind of your maximum heart rate, right? That we don't want it to go over. And then depending on whether you're trying to do light intensity, moderate intensity, vigorous intensity, you would calculate um, a percentage of that maximum heart rate based off of that, right? So during moderate intensity activity, usually about 50 to 70% of that maximum heart rate. And then vigorous is somewhere between 70 to 85 of that, right? So you would take that 220 minus your age. That would give you the maximum heart rate that you would go to. Um, and then for intensity, you would take a percentage of that, right? 50 to 70% for moderate intensity, 70 to 85% for, for maximum intensity, right? And so what if you're, you're getting over that, right, um, and getting up to your max heart rate? Well, you probably want to back down your intensity. So if you're on the treadmill or the elliptical or the bike, you're going to want to slow it down a little bit. If you're running or jogging again, slowing it down um, would go there. So it is a, a tool that can be used. It's just a little bit uh, harder to employ for a lot of folks. That's why I like that, that talk test uh, to be able to judge your uh, intensity there. So now we've kind of gone over why we want to be more, uh, have more movement in our day, how much we should ultimately be striving for, and the intensity of it but knowing that any movement is better, right? In fact, as little as 60 minutes of that moderate intensity activity helps your heart, right? It improves cardiovascular fitness. So shooting for that may be a much uh, more achievable goal for you to be able to think about instead of that 150 minutes. And then once you get to that smaller goal, if you feel like you're able to increase it, we kind of go from there. Now, I did have a question that came in uh, this morning that asked, what time of day is the most beneficial for, uh, for exercise? I heard, and this person says, I heard that exercising first thing in the morning is a great way to boost your metabolism. So let's, let's kind of unpack that. Sure, it is. Um, exercising in the morning is a good way to, to boost your metabolism. But if you are not a morning person, right, or your mornings are super, super hectic, and the only way you would be able to get exercise in would be to wake up even earlier, and you have very limited confidence in doing that, then exercising in the morning is, is probably not for you. So my answer to that question when I get asked what is the best time of the day to exercise, it's whenever you will do it, okay? Because there are textbook answers to things when we look at what the research tells us, but those things are not effective if we are not able to implement them in our daily lives. So I am not a morning person. I love sleep. Um, I get enough sleep, but I still do not want to wake up before the sun to exercise. So a morning physical activity is not for me, okay? That does not mean that it would not be for you, right? Um, there are tons of people who exercise early in the morning. They feel like it invigorates them and gives them tons of energy for their day. That is great, 
right? For me, my best time to to do a, a more lengthy physical activity session is in between work and and going home, right? So my strategy to get it done is thinking of what I can do before I actually get home. Because once I get home and the evening ritual of homework with the kiddos and everybody getting the bath and fixing supper and those kinds of things, what kind of derails my, my physical activity plan. So I either think of something I can do um, at work, like at the end of the work day before I go pick up my kids, or something that we can do immediately when we get home, like before we even really go in the house. And that's often a walk um, or the kids grab their bikes, something like that. And we head on, you know, we walk in the door, change our shoes and, and go right back out. Um, so that's what works for me. But that may not be what, what works for you. So think about other other ways in your day to get that time, right? Um, I like to think about ways that I can get five minutes, right? Five minutes, little increments during the day. Let's say you park farther away at work and it takes you five minutes to walk in, right? And then another five minutes at the end of the day to go back to your car. That's 10 minutes of, of movement that you've got going on there. Now, what if we were able to add a five-minute walk at uh, lunch, right? Now we're up to 15 minutes in a day. So it does not have to be continuous. It does not have to be all in one big chunk. And it doesn't have to be at any particular time of the day. Now, the caveat to that is I would not do, you know, moderate to vigorous intensity exercise within, you know, one to two hours before bedtime. Um, because that is more likely to prevent you from being able to go to sleep um, quickly, right? So if you really want to do physical activity um, and movement toward the end of the day, think of um, something that is more um, uh, mindful-based uh, physical activity, maybe a stretching program, um, yoga. There are some great kind of bedtime uh, yoga programs. I just usually uh, YouTube um, bedtime yoga, and it takes you through some different poses and stretches to help with um, sleep, as well as some kind of meditation and mindfulness um, uh, practices that will help with relaxation and sleep onset. So the, the take home to that is the most the best time to exercise is the time that you will do it, right? And that is going to look different um, from every by every single person there. When we come back from this next break, we're going to go through some of the most common barriers to being physically active and brainstorm some ways to address those barriers. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. 
We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio, and I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we've been talking about the importance of movement today in terms of lowering uh, heart risk. This is February. It is uh, American Heart Month, so we are going to be focusing on a lot of things uh, to address heart health this month, and being more mobile and moving more is one of those strategies. So in this last uh, few minutes of the show, I want to talk about some of the barriers that I hear from my patients in clinic, as well as some of those that, you know, are out there in the literature. Um, probably the most common one, if you just do a, a Google search on what is the biggest barrier to being physically active, people will say lack of time. And that is a valid, uh, you know, a valid barrier. What I encourage people to do is to over the next week, right? So this is this is Monday. So over this week, I want you to look at your day, right, and see where there were areas you could be active. Don't even have to be active yet, right? Just look and see where there are little hidden pockets of time, right, that maybe you would normally um, grab your phone and play a game on that phone or uh, where you would scroll on the Internet or those kinds of things. And go, you know what, I could devote those few minutes to being more mobile, whether that means getting up and marching in place or, you know, walking to the elevator and back or whatever that looks like for you, whether you're at home or at work or at school, those kinds of things. Um, But just look for those minutes. And then next week, start to capitalize on some of those minutes that you found. So instead of reaching for that phone when you get a break, Maybe still reach for it and put on a podcast that you enjoy um, or a song, you know, so a playlist that you enjoy and do those couple of minutes that way. Um, but just being intentional about looking for those minutes and then a plan to put them in place. Now, the number one thing that patients tell me is the weather, right? So right now it's winter. So when I ask about physical activity, they'll say, well, I, I like to walk and I was doing it, um, but now it's too cold, right? So there's absolutely that, that. And then the flip side of that is when it's summer, I hear the exact same thing in terms of it's too hot. So in no way am I discrediting those barriers. They are real. And for some can be, uh, you know, a danger to, to be outside when it's too hot and those kinds of things. But if we know that the, that the weather is our, our big barrier, right, and we know that this is Mississippi and it's usually either really hot or really cold, then we want to put a kind of a backup plan in place. Because if we don't, 
then it's just always either going to be too hot or too cold to be active, right? So think about things that you can do in your house, right? Whether that be, you know, if you do have a treadmill or a bike or something like that, um, using it, which usually involves taking the clothes off of it. Um, <laughs> uh, they often it often winds up as a storage place, right? But getting it getting it set up and ready, or just doing things like standing up and walking in place, um, or calf raises. I really love calf raises where you kind of rise up on your toe and hold it for a couple of seconds and then go back down. That's a great way to get some resistance and some strength training um, in your lower uh, body. But then let's think about housework, right? 20 minutes of vacuuming is like walking a mile, right? So, you know, look for ways to incorporate multiple things that have to get done, housework and physical activity, right? Grocery shopping. When you go to the grocery store, instead of just kind of immediately tackling your, uh, your shopping list, take a couple of walks, a couple of laps around the perimeter of the store before you start to, to walk, right? Temperature controls there in the grocery store. So, a, you know, a different way to kind of get around that, it's either too hot or too cold thing. Um, but if you know that's your trigger, then build that process in to, to not let it be kind of the hard stop that keeps you from being, you know, being physically active and getting that movement in. Um, my favorite um, way to get those extra minutes in are a dance party. And I've talked about that on the show before. You know, we'll, uh, we often do it when we're cooking dinner. The kids are usually in the kitchen with me when we're cooking. And I'll just hit a song on my phone and yell dance party. And we just dance it out for the, the time that that song is on. Most songs are somewhere between two to three minutes. If you have a dance party a couple times a day, you're getting, you know, you're getting five to ten minutes of movement up and down there. Um, you can also do, um, you know, other kind of at-home things like um, we talked about walking in place, but really a little bit more than that where you can bring your knees up, it's called high knees, and, you know, set you a timer for 30 seconds and, and do that. Um, do some walking lunges, those kinds of things in your home are ways to kind of get away from going outside. I mentioned at the beginning of the show um, when we had a question about uh, warming up, I mentioned um, kind of clothing choice in terms of going outside. And I really would um, like to re-highlight that as we talk about if we are going to go outside and exercise while it is uh, cold outside, which there are benefits to that. Um, it uh, often lets us go farther because uh, it is a little less intense. Um, it also is great for folks with seasonal affective disorder or kind of the winter blues who feel more down and depressed and sad during the winter. Being out and getting exposed to that sunlight is a great way to kind of counterbalance that. So if you are going to go out and, and exercise when it's cold outside, think about layering your clothes, things that are easy to take off as you get warmer, and not starting with cotton as that first layer because it is going to absorb sweat and then it is going to get chilled and then you are going to get chilled. Um, so one of the kind of dry weave fabrics um, 
or athletic undershirt that wick moisture away are a good option there. And then like a, like a fleece um, zip up, something like that, that you can put on over the top of that, that you can be able to, to take off and, you know, tie around your waist or whatever um, as you, as you get warm there. But it is a strategy that can have multiple benefits to health. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org.